Good morning, everybody. Caught you off guard with that one, but it's great to see all of you here today. And uh, I particularly think of those who are not with us, who are feeling unwell and uh, sick at this time. Um, Beth Kilpatrick has been suffering with a terribly, terribly sore back and has been suffering on her own and in silence. And uh, we have been ministering to her, but we pray God's healing on her and Roger and Heather Brazil. Um, we think of them, Jim and Ellie Snudden. Um, we, there's so many folks in our church uh, that get unwell who are elderly and very, very quickly they get isolated and uh, we wanted to remember them today as we start this service. And for those that are with us, who have been away from us for a period of time, we want to especially welcome you back. And uh, we are thankful that our prayers have had an effect in your life. So it's wonderful to be with you. Well, today I'm going to speak on submission. I'm going to uh, speak to wives. On the way in, I had people stopping me and asking me about this sermon and telling me not to tell too many jokes. And even my precious pastor was uh, nervous about giving me this assignment. I, I will uh, admit that Graham, he pulled one over me completely. He came into my office and he took last week's sermon, which was on men, which was mine to do, and under the guise that he had to go on holidays or something or other, and I was busy working. I said, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And uh, so here I am uh, before you today to preach this wonderful message. And I want to pray for us and uh, pray for our wives, and I want to pray for those that aren't with us today that will be watching us on video and uh, wanting to be with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for those who are suffering and are longing to be restored. Thank you for those that have been restored. Uh, thank you for those that are with us this morning and are still going through a deep trial. And we pray your comfort and your understanding and your healing upon them. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning. And we pray that you would give us understanding, that you would give us the, the why and help us to appreciate the role that our wives play in marriage that reflects you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gospel-centered wives, it's a, a relationship. Marriage is a relationship that's been revolutionized by the gospel. Does Jesus Christ make a difference? What, what makes a Christian marriage distinct? And does Jesus make a difference? Anybody? <laughs> when you think about that, it's profound, isn't it? Because he makes all the difference in the world. And we have marriage, which Christians and non-Christians get involved in. But what is distinct about Christian marriage? What is distinct about Christian marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. That he is with us through the Holy Spirit, empowering us to live a life that's honoring unto him. And much more than that, he designed marriage to reflect his glory and his power. He designed marriage right from the beginning with Adam and Eve to reflect his glory and power. With his relationship with the nation of Israel, he designed his relationship with the nation of Israel like a marriage relationship. 
And he talks about it in those terms throughout the Old Testament. Marriage was no afterthought. He didn't see Adam and Eve in the garden and turn his face away and think, my goodness, what are they doing? They ought to be married. Marriage is the same model that Jesus Christ uses for the church. He calls his church the bride. And it's much, much more profound and deep than that as we engage in oneness together and reflect the love that the Father has for the Son and enjoy the love that he has for us as well. The why of the different roles in marriage is therefore a divine thing. This is what makes it bigger than individuals. It carries forward the divine plans of God. It, it carries forward the will of God. It tells a testimony of God's character and God's goodness and God's faithfulness. We don't often think of our marriage in terms of that. We often think of it in terms of he's a good-looking guy and she's a good-looking girl and I can't wait to be with them forever. I can't wait to have two and a half children and I can't wait to have a little picket house. But actually, your marriage is designed to carry forward the eternal plans of God. It's designed to reveal God and it's designed to change you into the image of Christ. That's the real one that we want to speak about today because how does marriage, Christian marriage, differ from non-Christian marriage? Jesus Christ and the way that he engages with us and his purposes for marriage is to transform us into the image of his only begotten son. That's why marriage is not easy. Maybe for the first 12 months. I thought marriage for the first 12 months was easy just because I was stupid. <laughs> I was just... I was just plain happy. <laughs> Only found out that it was harder than I thought as time went along. But marriage is meant to change us. This is, makes it bigger than us, and this is what makes it precious and holy. I want to speak about the wife's role today, and I want to do that in a way that excludes men completely. Graham covered that last week, so I want to speak to the wives today. I want to touch on in Ephesians chapter 5. If you'll come in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, we're going to cover verses 21, 22, 23, 24, and then we're going to jump down to verse 33. How does a wife reflect the character of God? How does a wife live out the eternal plans of God within the marriage vows, within the marriage itself? Well, Paul says to us here very clearly, he's been talking through the early part and talking about walking in the book of Ephesians. He's been talking about walking in the light and he's been talking about us being transformed in the image of the only begotten son. And he touched on in verse 21 that we should submit all to each other. And therefore he moves into marriage with submission on his mind and he begins with, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Husbands have probably memorized that one. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord without understanding it. So what does submission really mean? Submission means that you recognize that someone has authority over you. Submission means that as a unit or a team, you are not more important than any other part in that team. And in view here is the team marriage. 
And therefore, you are not more important than any other part in that team. And that goes for both players in the marriage. Submission is recognizing that there is an order of authority, and I have my place in that order. There is somebody in authority that I must submit to, and when we submit to God, we recognize his authority and we recognize his right. And we act accordingly. When we recognize the authority of the police, we all live under authority. When the, the light comes on and he pulls you over and your heart is beating into your chest and he taps on your window and you wind down your window and he says, excuse me, sir, can I see your license, please? You don't wind your window up and drive off. Because the sirens and the lights get brighter and bigger and they get closer and there's lots more of them. We recognize his authority and we submit to that authority. We all, all do that. Similarly, with our employer. We have an employer. An employer has certain rights over us and we willingly submit to those rights. I might say there are limits to those rights as there are limits within marriage and I'll explain that a little bit later on. When we recognize the authority of the police, when we recognize the authority of our employer, we submit to that authority. When a wife submits to her husband, she recognizes his God-given authority and acts accordingly. Men hear this. Wives hear this. Submission does not mean inferiority. This is about our roles within marriage. Our roles within marriage. A common misunderstanding that the husbands have when they come to this portion of Scripture is that they think that they have the authority of God. It says there very clearly, wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. And so they think that the wife has to submit to them as to the Lord, meaning in every single thing in this world. But no, 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 that's not true. Because if you ask your wife to do something illegal... She's under no obligation to obey you. She must first obey God. And God never tempts us. God never asks us to do anything wrong. So with God, we obey him to the letter of the law. We submit to him willingly. But to husbands, we obey them as to the Lord. That's what it means. Not that they're the Lord in our lives, but as to the Lord, we submit to them. Wives, um, often look at this one and think to themselves that they are a little bit inferior. Some are more of a, a timid nature than others and they think that their husband is superior and that she ought to treat him like a lord and that she ought to do everything he says and she tips toes around him. No, no, no. Your husband is not superior to you. And you are not inferior to him. In marriage, you have a role to play. You are equal in the Lord. We are not talking about inferiority in this case. We must think of it in terms of how it's recorded in the English dictionary. In the English dictionary, it's written down as sub. And then separated out from that is mission. Sub, mission. And that mission in marriage is to obey God. The wife says, I'm going to commit myself to the mission 
because the mission is more important than my individual desires. I'm not putting myself below my husband. I'm committing myself fully to the mission of God and fully to the mission of God that he has for marriage. At this point, I'm going to inject my beautiful wife. Carol is going to come forward and talk a little bit about how submission and respect uh, works in marriage and give a, a personal testimony of how wonderful I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the document I'm holding here is, the, the first line is, when your husband is not doing the right thing. Can that even be a thing? <laughs> so how can I submit to him? I need to go back. Who am I? I'm God's child. I've been forgiven much. I'm sanctified, set apart. Everything I am is by God's good hand. My character, my training, my skills, all is God-given. So my husband's not doing the right thing or not making the right decision. By whose standard? By whose rules? With all that God has graciously bestowed on me, who am I to level judgment on my husband? Who, in who am I placing my trust? In God. I'm praying for my husband and trusting God for the outcome. Will my husband always make the right, the right call? No. Will I offer support and grace through it? I will certainly try. Will I at times fail? Yes. Will he fail? Most likely. Thank, thankfully, God's mercies are new every morning. Remembering with humility who I am in Christ, fallen short, forgiven much, loved, redeemed, sanctified, this allows me to bestow on my husband the same grace that God shows me. Love, show grace and forgive. But some practical ideas of how. Don't nag. This is an act of self-control, ladies. I guarantee that in the Western world, the majority of nag-worthy topics are not life and death issues. When we were first married, we lived in a little forestry house down the southwest of, of WA, and it had a wood oven, which heated the, the, the water for the shower, and it also had an open fire. I was often at home first, and I would cut the wood. Did I need to? Should I? Probably not. Um, it's not that he didn't cut the wood, it's just that he didn't always do it in my time frame. But there was a bonus to me cutting the wood. It was a fabulous way of exercising my frustrations. When you cut wood in a short, you can cut a lot of wood in a short time of frame when you're cranked. I simply changed my attitude after that. I, I can do this, of course I can. I can do anything I can put my mind to. So don't plot and scheme, pray for him, love him. He's God's child. If I can't trust God, with my husband, there's a serious problem with my faith. And build him up. Praise him for every good thing he does and praise him for what is God is making him. Remember that God sees us for what he has already done in us. We are a new creation. This is your husband too. Never give up on your husband. Quitting is not an option. Commit to the long game and ensure that you're very careful only to listen to wise counsel. Surround yourself with other couples who love marriage and value marriage, and pray for him, love him, and stand by him. Those were things my mother told me. 
The biggest impact of submission has been Jesus' example of his display of meekness. The quality, meekness is the quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. In Jesus' case, God the Father. It was said that Jesus had the power to call the angels to save him from the cross, but he didn't. Meekness is strength controlled and harnessed. Meekness is strength under control. Submission is a display of my strength because of my faith and trust in God. There's two videos I want you to watch. One of them is, um, is actually about a woman who cheers for her, her husband, her team, which is one of my favourites. The other one is a really vital message to us women because we can often be very detrimental in our words and in our attitude. We may think that we're being clever and witty, but it can have a very demeaning and destructive result. And let me just say, it's evident to all who witness these. Enjoy the videos. I have three sons, and one thing that we like to do as a family is eat pizza. And we pretty much order it the same way. We order pepperoni pizza with extra sauce. And uh, my husband has the responsibility of calling in and ordering the pizza. Well, for years, I would always have to remind him, don't forget to ask for the extra sauce. We hopped in the car with our three boys. They were eight to 12 at that point drove to the pizza place, Bruce went in to get the pizza, and he came out with two boxes. And on top of the boxes, there were these two containers of sauce. I said, oh, I see that you forgot to ask for the extra sauce again. And from the very back of the car, our eight-year-old pipes up and says, you idiot. I was Stunned. I couldn't believe that he was calling Bruce an idiot. We never called each other names. I never let the boys call each other names, and I never, ever called Bruce an idiot. But I didn't have to because the boys knew exactly what I meant by my tone of voice. I was a cheerleader in high school, but we cheered for a team that was a pretty stinky team. We never won a game. But every time I went out, I cheered to the top of my lungs. You got to want it, to win it. So do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, we would cheer our team on. The day you put on your wedding dress, you put on a new cheerleader outfit. You're cheering for your family team. We have gotten to a place where we have forgotten to cheer for our team because they've experienced some losses. We cheer for our team even when they're down and that's the same thing we must do for our new family team. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Carol, for having the courage to come up and share like that. I want you to understand that marriage is amongst equals. Let's just get it out there. We are married and we are equal in the sight of the law, in the sight of the Lord, not the law, in sight of the Lord. And we just have different roles to play. And it's tremendously difficult for wives to bear the responsibility of submission. And sometimes we make that job even harder to do. We make it so much harder to be submissive 
in marriage because we're so pig-headed, we're so hard-hearted towards our wives. We are equal before the Lord. We have different roles within marriage. And here in these passages, the Lord is addressing women about their role in marriage. And by obeying the Lord, they are bringing glory to his name. And the first that we've seen of that is through the wife being humble enough and being obedient enough to obey the Lord and serve him. I want to touch a little bit more as unto the Lord. It's an expression of your submission to the Lord. You're doing it for Christ's sake. You're doing it because he told you to. It's an act of obedience. It's well-pleasing to the Lord. I want you to, to move your focus away from your husband. That may be a blessing. Look away from your husband and realize that your act of submission is unto the Lord. You're doing it for him. You're doing because it's well-pleasing. You're doing because it reflects his role within the order of things as he was submissive to his father. It reflects faith because oftentimes you're very, very gifted and you're very capable and you're willing to submit yourself to your husband who sometimes is not very capable and not very willing. And it's very, very frustrating. But by doing that, you're inviting God into your marriage. And you're relying on God to lead your husband. And he is altogether good. He will not overlook you. Don't try and do it on your own. Your submission to your husband is part of your Christian obedience. It's part of being obedient to the Lord. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we call upon the Lord and Paul lays out in the first 11 chapters of Romans all the wonderful things that God has done for us. And then he says to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, he begs us in the light of what God has done, we are moved to surrender our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And this is the same issue here. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Pour yourself out before the Lord. See it as an act of obedience to him. Your husband, your submission to your husband is part of your Christian life. It's part of your Christian experience. It's part of your Christian obedience. This is Christ's expectation of you, not your husband's. Okay? If your husband has to say, Submit, he's got a problem. Because really, this is between you and the Lord. Submit. And Christ, Jesus Christ, is your Saviour and the Lord. And it takes great faith and trust in the Lord. And we'll see that a little bit later. To be able to trust the Lord for your husband. So, the first thing that Paul wants you to see is that it's our Christian obedience. It's our Christian obligation. And it would be enough for him to finish there, really. He could say to wives, submit and say nothing more about it. It's a command from God that you submit. And he could say no more about it. But here we see the character of God. He actually loves us and cares for us so much. He wants to give us two more reasons for it. Because it's such a difficult thing. He wants us to explain why he wants us to submit. Ephesians 5 and verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the, sorry, even as 
even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself is its saviour. God so loved that he wanted to bring us in on this understanding of headship. In the full sense, the head is the authority and it has the matching responsibility of that authority to lead. It's right to submit to the head. If you think about this for a moment, the head of Cedar College is actually here in the room. And I won't point it out, but it's here. And when you're a school teacher at Cedar College, you just naturally think, well, I just will obey because he's the principal of the college. If we have the head of a foundation, you obey the head of the foundation. If we have the head of a company, we understand what it is to submit to the head of a company, the head of a foundation. And here, in this passage, Paul is alluding to the creative order. When we go back into Genesis chapter 2, and we might just do that. The Lord said, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. It's as though God saw Adam in the garden and he thought that good old boy ain't going to make it. Because we know that Adam was a southerner. So that good old boy ain't going to make it. I'm going to make a helper fit for him. Wonderful, wonderful thing. Woman was taken out of him and was designed to be a helper for him. God ordained the different roles. They are not a result of the fall. Do you understand that? Genesis chapter 2. Now you watch how clever I am here. Genesis chapter 2 comes before Genesis chapter 3. How about that, eh? You didn't think I could work that out on my own. But you know what's in Genesis chapter 3? The description of the fall. Where mankind sinned. Every, everything was mucked up. It, sin came into the world and distorted every single thing. And the one thing that it distorted most of all was marriage. Marriage that was designed to take the eternal purposes of God forward. It made men selfish. It made men serve themselves. And God says here that Adam was the first man. He was the head of the wife. And that still stands today because it happened before the fall and therefore it passes over the Old Testament law right over the top of that into the New Testament. And we know this to be true because it's referenced in 1 Corinthians 11. It's referenced again in 1 Timothy 3 that man was created first, a woman was created second. And because of that order of creation is to be reflected, or rather that order of creation is to be reflected in marriage. As Christ is the head of the church, so man is to lead the team called marriage. Do you get that? It's as though God walked into the room and said, I've done this thing called marriage, and I want you to play this role, and I want you to play this role. I want you to lovingly lead your wife, and I want you to submit and respect to your husband. And we do it under him. Because he's worthy. We get our eyes off our partner and we look unto the Lord and recognize that we are doing it for him. Headship does not denote superiority, but rather function. We are equal in the Lord. We just have different jobs. 
And we should seek to make that easy for each other. One thing that I loved about your testimony is that you didn't tell the truth, Carol. Thank goodness for that. I was so nervous. No, it was the, your deep desire throughout our marriage to make my leadership and my loving you as easy as possible. And my role, I wished I had done the same. And men, we are so self-focused. We often don't think much about being loving leaders. We're too busy gazing at our navel and forget that we have a responsibility to make it easy on our wives to be submissive and respectful. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 24, if you'll come there with me for a moment, is the third reason. The third reason that God wants you to understand the reason you need to show submission and respect in marriage. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Jesus uses his relationship with the church as the third example why we should be submitting as wives to our husbands. Marriage is no afterthought. The point is very simple. We have a model for marriage. We have a model for the marriage relationship. And the model of that relationship, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And that is unquestioned. Do you get that? Jesus is the head of the church. And now when we come to marriage, he has the roles for us in marriage. And he wants us to get those roles from his example of his relationship to the church. So is the husband the head of the team that is married, head of one flesh relationship, and submission is essential for him to be able to live out his faithfulness before the Lord. And uh, you'll get this. Imagine a body, and it's got a head, and the head says to the left hand, which has a really nice hammer in it, that we're going to hammer the nail that is held by the right hand. That makes sense, doesn't it? And the hand says, uh -uh, I think I'm going to whack the thumb instead. We're going to have a very, very confused situation and a very, very sore thumb afterwards. It's a perfect example of marriage. There is a designated head within marriage, a designated order within marriage, and when we both do our roles equally before the Lord, we can almost obtain perfection. And we make it a joyful experience for each other. God is so good. Jesus has given us this wonderful example of his relationship with the church as the third reason why we need to obey him. The example of Christ and his church is the model that is to be reflected within marriage for the glory of God. I'd like you to come with me now, if you will, just for a moment. Come with me down to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. And I just want to say a few words regarding oneness. Regarding oneness. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
It's a powerful, powerful thing. Respect here is a very similar to submission, but with some definition. That as the husband leads his wife, that she, she loves him and that she respects him and that she honors him and that she speaks well of him and that her tone of voice is correct. And it says to the husband, let each one of you love his wife as himself. There's a great temptation for a husband in marriage to be aloof. You're, some of you that are newly married, you, you, uh, you don't find that. You're besotted. Some of you, not so. Sometimes we find it easy to be cold. Sometimes we're an autopilot. We tend to neglect the oneness principle. Basically, men tend to get married and it's as though they're not actually married, except for the fact that they come together and enjoy each other and then the man just gets on with what he does and the wife ends up very, very lonely. Am I relating to anybody here? And God says that we shouldn't neglect this oneness principle. And for the wife, the temptation is that the oneness is with no head. She finds it very, very easy to naturally be close to her husband, to want that, that, that fellowship and to want that intimacy within marriage on a regular basis. Now, this is just generalization for the sake of making a point. But she thinks of that as being without a head. She thinks of oneness without a head. Or maybe she thinks of oneness with two heads. There are two people trying to steer the marriage. There are two people who have got their hands on the steering wheel. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be. There are two people sitting on the horse and both are straining for the reins of that horse. That's one very confused horse. It's not a marriage or it's not a relationship. It's not a oneness with no head. It's not a oneness with two heads. It's a oneness with one head. And that one head is the man. He's to give direction to the marriage. And the wife's role within that is to be submissive to him. I'd like to sum up what we've talked about this morning. And I have some summary statements that I'd like to make in regards to this. The same, actually before we do that, go to the next slide please. I've got a few more minutes than I thought. This here describes for me, it's a, I got this diagram um, from a Bible college lecturer that I had um, must have been 31 years ago. And uh, that was Pastor Paul. He gave me this. And we worked uh, this. Now, in effect, what we've done here is we boiled down Ephesians 5 into one slide. And the responsibility of the man is to be a loving leader. And that's not easy. Graham explained that to you yesterday, last week about being sacrificial. And the role of a woman is to be submissive and respectful. That too is a very, very difficult role. God has, again, we are equal before him. He's come into the room and he says, Jeff, I want you to be a loving leader. And he said to Carol, I want you to be respectful and submissive. And Carol cried out, how do you expect me to be submissive and respectful because you don't understand the loaf that I'm married to? But you see, it takes faith. It takes faith. Now, if we love well, our wives find it naturally easy to respect. If we lead well, our wives find it easy to be submissive. But what happens when you don't do that? What happens when you don't do that? 
And this is the aspect of faith that comes in. Regardless of how my wife lives in my relationship, regardless of whether she's respectful or submissive, I must be a loving leader. I don't get to look at her and say, I'm not going to do what I'm called by the Lord to do because she's not playing the game. And in a similar way, Carol is not able to go to the Lord and say, why did you give him to me? Because it takes faith, you see. And this is the great plan that God has for our marriages to transform us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that your partner is not your enemy? Your partner is not your enemy. Your wife or your husband is not your enemy. They have been given by God to you as a gift to knock the edges off you and make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been given to you so that you can live out this oneness of together and bring glory to God. They have been given to you as a gift from God. They are not your enemy so that you can take forward the divine, eternal plans of God. It's amazing, isn't it? And you thought marriage was about you. Closing statements. It's the same main idea expressed in different ways. What's for the husband is the same for the wife. For instance, both are called to die to self. Wouldn't you agree? Both are called to die to themselves, and submission is the way the wife does that. Both are called to sacrifice under the Lord. Submission is the way that the wife does this. Both see their relationship as a model of the church and submission is the way that the wife honours that model. We are equal in the Lord and we are given different roles and we have different tasks and we bring glory to God in the marriage. Both are called to honour the order of creation and submission in the way The wife fulfills this and fulfills her place in that order. Both are called to be motivated by the command of Jesus. And submission is the way that the wife does that. Do you get that? We're equal in the Lord. We've been given different roles. I wanted to speak to you wives today to tell you the why to remind you that God has a great plan for you and a great plan for us. And he's leaning on you and he's hoping for you and he's empowering you to carry out your end of the bargain and God willing, we'll carry out our end of the bargain. We're in this together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of marriage and thank you for the gift of our wives. And thank you for the heavy burden that they have within the marriage to be respectful and to be submissive. And Father, make us better men. Make us more tender men. Make it so that we care for them and make their job a lot easier. And Father, I pray for the wives. I pray as they act in faith before you and as they seek to be submissive and respectful. I pray that they would have the same heart toward us, that they would make it easy for us to lead and to love and that we would bring glory to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.